Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hi, everybody. Hello, we're back for another Addiction Solution podcast. All right. So today, I, I just did an article, um, a couple of articles actually over the last couple of weeks about whether somebody needs to go to rehab. Does anybody need to go to rehab? Right. It's a it's a real common thing nowadays to uh, have rehab pushed on you um, if you have a drinking or a drug problem. And uh, the question is: Is it beneficial? Is there a reason for it that makes logical sense? And and if so, who should go to rehab, right? And um, so initially, what are your thoughts, Michelle? Does anybody need to go well, to let's, rehab? Well, let's, let's get one thing out of the way first, and that's uh, medical detox. Oh, yeah. Okay, because a lot of people confuse those two things. That's true. Um, they... Y- there are many people, I think most people that haven't been through the treatment system think, aren't they the same thing? Rehab yeah. and detox. And and there are a lot of treatment programs that muddle them as well. They'll say, you need to be in detox for 28 days. There is no detox that needs 28 days. That's so right. that's the first thing you should know. Medical detox is the process of Built detoxifying your body from the toxins you've been using, right? Whatever physical those, detox, yeah, whatever those are. Um, alcohol and benzodiazepines like Xanax and Valium, yep. yep. Um, Clonopin, Ativan, Ativan have uh, it's a terrible, it can be a terrible detox if you've been using them for a long time, it can be very dangerous, actually. Yes, and and so. For whether you need alcohol detox or benzodiazepine detox, we strongly recommend that you go to a medical facility to get that, a reputable medical facility um, to be detoxed, not a sweat lodge, not some of those. Those can be very dangerous. Um, You you may need medical protocols um, to help you to be safe as you detox from those substances. And and the good news about that is detoxification is is well known. It's a science because you're dealing with body tissues and, uh, and people have been detoxing off of drugs for as long as the drugs have been around. So, so humanity, at least in the Western world really knows what they're doing Yeah, in most yeah. cases. It's pretty perfected yeah. actually. And, and really the longest detox you're going to have, if it's a good detox would be maybe two weeks off of benzos if you've been on them for a long time mm-hmm. and you've been on them heavily, mm-hmm. um, or two weeks for methadone or Suboxone if you're just not doing a taper, but you're doing a detox in a medical facility. That's right. Um, and alcohol can go as long as that, but it's very rare. Yeah. Most of the times it's three five, to five days. Yeah. Five days max and less. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you're, once you're detoxed, now there's this thing called rehab. 
that you, that is to help you. Well, a rehab will tell you it's to help you fix your brain um, because yeah. that's what they think, right? Yeah. <laughs> But we all know, if you read the freedom model or if you're doing the freedom model, that what it is is to change your mind. Right. And the mind and the brain are not the same thing. But but before we get into the weeds on that, it's – it's um, so rehab supposedly exists so that they can change – so that the professionals can help you change uh, what you're thinking and your your emotional status, your mental status – and and build strength so that you can stop craving. And there's so much mythology that I just said. Oh yes, that we have to break some of that down. So if you believe that you get high and drunk because you have a weak, maybe moral character or a weakness, or that you need more willpower. Um, then you've fallen prey to a straw man of addiction that somehow addiction is this thing that happens to you, a condition, a disease, a disorder. Um, it's none of those things. It is a preference that you've built over time. Now, a preference for something is built within our mind. Right. It's not based on a weakness of any kind. There's no weakness involved. It's about choice. It's about deliberating it's about choice making that's you know so these things fall outside choice making falls outside the medical realm so what happens is rehabs conflate medical terms like disorder and disease with mental processes and the question becomes is that reality is that real is that does that make sense and it doesn't because there's nothing wrong with you there's no disorder present when you like to drink a case of beer a day or snort cocaine or stick needles in your arms. Um, there's nothing medical wrong with your, with your brain tissue or with your mind. There's no mental disorder happening there. That's a preference that you have for personal reasons. Yes. Well, one thing I didn't mention about the detox is opiates because of course that's like the big thing right now. Right. And um, you can detox off of opiates safely at home. I, you know, as long as you stay hydrated, it's a bad flu. Um, yeah, it's not fun. Most people that have opiate problems have detoxed themselves multiple times safely. And um, now you can certainly go into to a detox. And it's probably nothing is more conflated detox and rehab than with opiates. Yeah, for sure. For sure. First of all, let me just jump in because you're not going to die coming off of uh, opiates, but there, there is a caveat and this is why a doctor should be consulted. If you have other underlying conditions like a heart condition yes. or, or diabetes, severe diabetes, things like that, that are just medical conditions that weaken your body or cancer. Let's say you have active cancer, COPD. Yeah. Things like that. Then, then, you know, taxing the body through what is really like a bad flu where you're vomiting and shaking and sweating and that sort of thing may tax the body enough where you have other issues. Yeah. So that that's where it gets complicated, but in and of itself, opiates never kill anybody. Um, coming but off, coming of off of them, detoxing right. from them. Right. Um, it's, it's just very unpleasant. It can be very painful. Um, and it's, you know, so a lot of times they'll conflate, they'll be like, yeah, I'm going to detox for opiates and it's 28 days. Um, no, you're going to rehab. And, and now 
a lot of rehabs just, they don't detox people off opiates. They put them on um, Suboxone or Methadone indefinitely and tell them they're going to have to take that forever. So, so, which is not true. Um, There's no data to support that that's necessary because there's no disease of addiction that you're going to always struggle with. There's a preference. You have a preference for intoxication, which is valid quite frankly. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't have to um, justify our preferences. They just are what they are, but we can challenge them and change them, right? <clears throat> That's what we talk about in the Freedom Model. So now let's get to the question with, is there, do, do some people need rehab? Right. And so. now we're talking about rehab. We're talking about, you know, going someplace for the sole purpose of changing your mind right. about substances. So, The question is, what does rehab teach? Mm -hmm. So we have to define what a rehab is. So let's just say that what we're talking about here is an intensive outpatient clinic or a residential facility where you leave your home and- You stop your life. You stop your life. And an intensive outpatient, it might be eight hours a day. It might be six hours a day where you're going to a clinic and then you might sleep home. in the case of a residential facility, you're leaving for 28 days. So let's just stick with that model for now because it's easy to talk about. It's the most generally accepted idea of rehab as a 28-day stay at, at a rehab. Um, so the question is, what what is taught there? What happens at rehabs? And And here's the issue. They're going to teach you uh, a model that's based in 1939 Alcoholics Anonymous dogma. Right. And an extension of that model. And that model was really the first push to medicalize your mind, to say that you have a disease, a compulsion, that you are compelled beyond your will by a powerful drug. And and that that's truly permanent it's progressive. It's incurable. It's something you're going to have to battle forever. You're permanently broken. Right. So if you're a believer of that, like most people are, they have the generally accepted idea in Western culture that what we just described is true, then rehab becomes something that might seem plausible, you know, because the weakness that you have is so um, horrendous and painful and that belief is so uh, maybe solid in your mind, then you are going to need to hide away. Yeah. Um, now, I want to I want to sort of jump to the conclusion, the other side of the fence, and that is, if you don't have a disease and you don't, uh, then we start to have to question whether you need a rehab that's going to teach you you do have one. Right. Okay. Because that's their goal. You need to know that when you go into a rehab, especially if you're someone that's gone in, um, but that's been forced there, their sole purpose, well, one of their primary purposes is to convince you that you are permanently broken. You have to accept that you have this, this disease called addiction or alcoholism. And that acceptance is supposed to allow you to then move on and do what you need to do to choose not to drink or do drugs anymore. Right. So it's a fear-based, um, it's all based in fear. It's I'm going to move forward in my life and be okay because I'm fearful of the big, bad alcohol and drugs Yeah, that are going to take me over, right? 
So, so the one of the myths that keeps this engine running, this forty-five billion dollar engine running, is the idea that a drug has power, that a drug contains some ability to compel you to behave in a way you don't want to behave. In other words, to compel you to continue to use substances in an out of control way. And people just take it for granted that that's the truth, right? That heroin is so powerful. Methamphetamine. Oh my God. Meth is so powerful. Once you start, you can't stop. That's not true. Now let, let me explain why. Well, let me explain the results first. First of all, most people get past the problem without treatment. And we can get into that like later. The vast majority. Yeah. Like 90% who get over the problem never go into rehab. Right. So so we we see that that the narrative that the drug has this elusive and massive amount of power just can't be true if people get past the problem without treat, being treated and and that they naturally matriculate out of these problematic issues. So so we know that from the research and from all the studies. And then the question, but we got to back up a little bit and, and really ask ourselves, does the drug actually have power? Does it have a mind of its own that can go into your decision-making and render you compelled to use? Now, one of the things that I just had a student here at the retreat talk to me about, and they said, well, I think what the drug does is it opens channels in the brain and, and it makes it so that you, you think differently. And the problem is, is that your brain doesn't make you think. This is important. Your mind is an entity in and of itself. Your thoughts are your thoughts. And the thoughts come first, and then the brain processes those thoughts because it's a physical thing. And whether your brain is affected by the drug, and it is, doesn't change the content of the origin of thought. And so a drug doesn't have the capacity to know what you're thinking. It doesn't have a mind of its own that says, I'm going to render this person uh, compelled to use. And it doesn't have the ability to know what you want. Right. It, you know, it doesn't know that you want to let go of your stress that day or get rid of your anxiety. It can't possibly know that because it doesn't have a mind of its own. The only one home is you, is you, your mind. So, so it's it's really problematic when they start to medicalize this and and say you need treatment which implies some physical thing is wrong with you and we need to fix your hijacked brain through talk therapy which is kind of weird right and and, and then you're going to make it so that you have power over this all powerful entity alcohol and drugs it's such a weird thing that we do here in america yeah it's it's um so you go to rehab. So who needs to go to rehab? That's the question, right? D yeah. Does anybody need to go to rehab? And it really turns out if you, uh, the chapter two in our book talks about, you have to want it to work. Okay. And the, the data that we show is there's different research that we've shown in there that shows yeah. that like people make the decision when people go voluntarily, they make the decision prior to going. Whether they go to intensive outpatient, whether they do Sinclair method, which has become very popular, like, like, you know, you go into rehab and then you're prescribed naltrexone when you get yeah. out. So, and what they found is 
people reduce their drinking prior to going into rehab. Regardless of this, the, the amount of treatment they're going to receive. Exactly. And so they follow them for 12 weeks. And whether the person went to one intensive outpatient session, whether they went to you know, 12 full weeks of it. Or whether they went to none. Or whether they went to none, they reduced their drinking to the same level and it stayed consistent. And that was before their first session. Yeah. So so you really have to want whatever you're doing to work. And so what it turns out is, is the only thing that treatment can do, really, because when you see data post-treatment, in some cases, the well, in many cases, the people that didn't get any treatment do better long-term do. than the people that actually go into treatment and complete a treatment program. That's right. And that makes perfect sense because the goal of treatment is to teach you that you're powerless and diseased and that alcohol and drugs have the power to enslave you. And then uh, consequently, you need treatment to stop yourself from doing something that supposedly you don't want to do. And you need support, right? You need to build a support network in 12-step meetings or smart recovery meetings or whatever group meetings you decide you want to do, but you need support. Because of the weakness because argument. Because you are permanently broken. You're handicapped. Yes. You're disabled. Yes. And you can't make these decisions on your own because alcohol and drugs are very powerful. Because they've hijacked your brain and made you think differently, which is, it's a, they have it completely backwards. But here's what, what happens. When you believe this, it becomes true. Yeah. So you start to feel like your your brain is hijacked. You start to feel like you have no control. You start to feel and frame the entire experience as a compulsion, as an addiction. And once you take on that addict and alcoholic identity with those kind of criteria, you're screwed. I mean, you're totally screwed and you will be a minion of treatment. You will be subservient to treatment models. And that will become just a part of your life that you feel as a broken person and you'll feel the necessity for treatment for the rest of your life or recovery. You know, I want to, even though I grew up in, I want to just relate a little bit of my personal experience. Even though I grew up in AA, right from the beginning, I felt like my drinking was totally under my control. I never felt like it was and my drug use was totally under my control. I did it because I liked it. Like I didn't frame it in a way that I'm, I'm doing this because- you know, my dad was a drunk when I was, I didn't frame it that way. I was like, I enjoyed what I was doing. Right. And so I think when I went, when I started getting forced to see counselors and I was getting the consequences oh, yeah. of my heavy drinking, like I was, I ended up getting like a, my fourth semester in college, I got like a one seven and they were going to kick me out of school. And they said, or you can go to this counseling. Um, because we think you have some mental health issues and a drug and alcohol problem. And so when I went into counseling and I got a mental health diagnosis, and then they told me that I had, you know, I had a alcohol and drug problem. Um, and it that was when I started framing it differently. Yeah. And I started yeah. believing that there was something definitely wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like, up until that point, I was having a great time. Yeah. You know, it yes. was, and then after that, it, it shifted in my mind. I felt out of control. I felt suicidal. Right. So you, so you started to, you reframed 
an activity that you preferred into a diagnosis and a condition. Yes. Yeah, that's that's really damaging. And and so for the next two years, I was off the hook completely (laughs) out to lunch and like my my room, like I went through roommates, I went through friends, I, I was, I, I just went off. And it was kind of like a license to misbehave, yeah. so to speak, but I genuinely felt like I was out of control. And yep. then one day I stopped, right? I stopped drugs six months before I stopped drinking. I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So my personal preference overrode that broken, like it totally, the broken mentality. The broken mentality. It was like, I don't want to do drugs anymore. Now, I, I was still feeling pretty broken. So I dove deeper into alcohol because it was easy to get. I was of legal age at that point. Um, but then one day I stopped that too. Right. Again, my personal preference was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. You know? And uh, so I, for, and for five days or so, I didn't drink. I didn't go to any meetings. And then I went to my first meeting. And then a week or two into meetings, I started feeling broken again. Yeah, it's it's a remarkably screwed up thing that happens. I so so does anybody need rehab? So is it helpful for anyone? Right. The answer is nobody needs treatment for the- a drug or alcohol problem minus detox. But what they might need, and this is where things get a little muddy, they might need to get away. Yeah. You know, human beings throughout history have found places on this earth where they could retreat to. That's where the term retreat came from. Um, I mean, there's stories that go all the way pre-Bible, but, you know, the classic sort of story of Jesus 40 days in the desert, right, to find himself. Um, Humans sometimes need to retreat from the difficulty of life to sort out a certain number of problems in their life. That's normal. Um, That's why people take vacations. Yeah. It's why I go hunting for a month in in the middle of winter um, or whatever your habit might be. But sometimes when it becomes, uh, when it comes down to a very specific problem, um, like a drinking or drug problem, um, yeah, people people are like, I got to get away and take care of this thing. So people have asked us, well, you rally against rehab, but you run one. That's pretty disingenuous, Mark. And I say, I've never run a rehab. I run a retreat. We always have for 32 years. We've helped people retreat from life and then learn information. There's no counseling that happens, but there's education. We give them the information just like we're doing right now. And we're kind about it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's novel because when you go to rehab, most of the time you're treated like a criminal and a child simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just, we just give people a, a calm, quiet place to go so that they can take themselves, gain a new perspective, um, and and just stop. He, the thing, what's interesting is a lot of people use alcohol and drugs as their retreat, right? As their escape from life, right? And so, and it's not working very. And well. it's not working well. So sometimes you need you need a, a full retreat from that. Yeah, you know where you're just like, okay, I am in a different environment. I I'm, I'm it's a hard reset. Yeah. That's so what we it get is. we get this question all the time, you know, because everybody that contacts us knows about the freedom model. So we have this book called the freedom model obviously. And 
And if you go on Amazon, you see that there's hundreds of reviews of people that have benefited from the book. But there's a lot of people that can't just read a book and then get on with their life. Yeah. You know, I, they're just not in that place. Yeah. For, for substances that wouldn't, I wouldn't have probably been able to do that. I was, I'm going to, I'm a voracious reader and I love reading to learn. Um, but with that problem for me, I'm not sure that would have sufficed. Right. So there's a, obviously a certain group of people that does not need to retreat from life. Maybe the vast majority, actually. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. So there are a lot of people that just benefit from getting the information. So it's about information. It's about truth. Yeah. So researched proven effective methods of changing your mind. Because that's all that is required for you to move on from a drinking or a drug problem is changing your mind. You know, people say, I changed my mind. Well, you can do that when it comes to substances as well. We've just overcomplicated the problem because there's an industry that makes a ton of money complicating it yeah. and making themselves relevant in your life uh, with mythology and the solution to the mythology. It's so crazy. It's such a nutty thing. They create a problem and then they create the solution for it and you never get out of the problem. You just rotate. They call it actually in the industry, in the treatment industry, the revolving door policy. They yeah. want you to just keep coming back. And so, so a retreat is a different experience and that is you could go somewhere like a Buddhist retreat, for instance, and probably find yourself. Some people do as an example. And, uh, but if the preference for heavy substance use isn't challenged in that process, you may return home after that retreat and find yourself in the same boat because, and then think to yourself, geez, I, I felt so peaceful at the retreat. Well, what we do is we created an environment where you retreat from life. You feel peaceful. You feel peaceful. It's quiet. You know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's really nice. And then, and then you learn the correct information, the objectively true information. Now, I don't want this to sound like an ad. That's not the point here. I'm not trying to promote all this. What I'm saying is if you go down the rehab route, like millions have now, your, your, your success rate of moving past this problem plummets. Yeah. You know, you're taught to be handicapped. Do you want to be falsely diagnosed with a disease you don't have? Can you imagine if you went to the hospital for the flu and then somebody came along and said, you have cancer when you don't have it and then gave you chemotherapy, right? That, that's, that's akin to what's happening in the treatment industry. Yes. You're saddled with a lifelong progressive illness. It's insanity. So, but at the same time, you may need to get away from the chaos that is your life. I had to get away. I was the first person through the Baldwin house, the original house, the original research project. She was the first woman. And that was 32 years ago. And we needed that experience of being immersed in, in how, do I, how do I figure all this out? Because our life was such a shit pile of problems <laughs> and drama. you know. So if you're in that boat, going to a retreat is a really wonderful experience. It really is. Now, if you're being forced into rehab by loved ones when, and it happens or by the legal system and you have to do outpatient treatment or, or intensive outpatient or you, you have to go into rehab or you're in sober, sober living. I know we have some people in our groups that are reading the freedom model, listening to the audio tape, signing up for the online program where you have the videos right there on your phone and Mark and I talking to you and teaching you, taking you through the course um, or doing what a really great option for you might be is, is private instruction where you're meeting with um, 
with a certified freedom model instructor, uh, Daniel Pelorget, Matt Sparks, Danny Wyke. Um, you will be able to talk it out with someone, you know, a couple times a week you meet, they take you through the course. Um, that can be really helpful and can counter what it is you're experience, experiencing. You kind of got to play the game a little while. In, in treatment. She's in treatment about. to to tell people what they want to hear. Um, but as Viktor Frankl says in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, in your own mind, you're free. You're free to think what you want to think and what you want to believe. So do you want to believe in myths that keep you trapped in endless recovery and treatment stays and rehabs and outpatient clinics and therapies? Or do you want to be free and move on with your life? And and that the difference there is information. Absolutely. Which, which pool of information are you going to draw from? Mythology that keeps you trapped and in recovery for the rest of your life or a model that says, no, you can change your mind and move on with your life. That's fundamentally the only two choices you have in the treatment industry. It's all disease-based, whether they say so or not, whether they say they're non-12-step, it's bullshit. There's nobody else that truly is going to promote freedom Yeah. than the freedom model. Yeah. There it just isn't. And look at, you know, we hear from people all the time who say, I read your book and it just, I just started drinking as much as I wanted because you basically gave me permission, which we don't, number one. Yeah, ever. But they continued to frame it as a struggle. That's right. So if, if you continue, because it's insidious, what you've learned in the treatment recovery culture is insidious. If you continue to frame whether you drink or don't drink, whether you use heroin or don't use heroin or cocaine or you don't use, as a struggle, as this fight between the angel and the devil on your shoulders, as long as you're framing it that way, you're going to lose that battle every time. Yeah, because you're not addressing the reality of that you have a preference based on certain things that you believe uh, is valuable to you. Exactly. So instead, reframe it as choice making, deliberating, w you know, which do I like better? That's right. You know, do I, would I rather do this or would I rather do this? Let that fight go. Yeah. Let the fight go. There is no entity in which to battle. There is no disease. There is no disorder. There is no power in drugs. There is the, the a drug doesn't have the power to addict you. Okay. Yeah. The, the only the only thing that can happen is you have a preference for a drug. Now, physically, you might get withdrawal. That's that's a right. different topic. But which is how we started. Right. That, but, that that may need you may need to go to a detox for a week or two. But the mental idea that you're addicted or that a drug can addict you and make you compelled to use beyond your will is bullshit. It's complete bullshit. But if you believe it. It's it real be, it and it's awful. Your, yeah, it becomes your reality. I know what that's like because I felt that way too. I cr I felt I had crossed a line and now I couldn't uh, stop myself. Yeah. And uh, these lies are, are really, really problematic. So if you're somebody, then you feel like, oh no, I do need the retreat or I, you know, I need to talk to somebody about this. Don't feel badly about it. No. Because we did, we we did too. Yeah. And, and when you have these, all of these things bombarding you, uh, in our culture and your families, your friends saying to you, well, you're sick, you're diseased, you, you have to, you need to go to meetings, you need to go to rehab, you need to do this. It, it, it feels like it's real. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It makes it more real and it can be really difficult to see your way past it. Um, It's time to reframe it. You, you have a strong preference for intoxication. You have a specific reasons for it. You like drinking in a certain way. You like doing drugs in a certain way. There's nothing particularly evil, morally bad, or wrong about it. It's just a personal preference, just like anything else. Um, and you have the power and ability to change your mind. So if, if you are on the fence about whether you need to get away from your life or not, there's, that's why we created the online program, which is super cheap. But it, we literally, Michelle and I, in this format with with a sort of a, a presentation on the side of the screen, goes through every. We go through every lesson in that four hundred and seventy page book. With and we have additional lessons in there that aren't even in the book yet. That's right. Um, so so it is. It's, it's nice. It's, it's a great introduction, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great introduction to to the model. Um, also, you can get the book for free. So yes. this, uh, we're not using this as a shill to, to sort of promote our product. That's not the point. The point is people are going to rehab and they're learning how to be disabled. Yeah. It's insanity what's happening. And we spent the last 32 years disseminating the truth. Yep. And that is that you really can move on from this. You really can. I know it's hard to believe. Um, but Michelle and I, we don't struggle with recovery. We don't, we, we've been doing this for 32 years and, and we were as hardcore as they come, Yep. you know? For so, sure. and we've met now 25,000 people plus who have done this model and moved on with their lives. So it's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. So remember you can get our books our digital editions of our books for free at thefreedommodel.org. Enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. We will keep those free for everybody forever um, who listens yeah. to our podcasts or watches our videos. Um, you can get more information about the online program. You can go to online.thefreedommodel.org. We are in the process of recording a, the Freedom Model family program online, um, which is going to be great for families. It'll be just like the Freedom the family book. It'll be smaller, shorter, more concise and will be specifically designed to help people who love someone who's struggling um, learn about the freedom model and also how best they can help them. Um, what, what else am I forgetting? Oh, you can call. Look at, if you just want to oh, talk right. to somebody, yeah. you know, call us. Uh, our toll-free number is one 424 I think it's on the screen there it too. It is on the screen in the top corner and you'll get Danny Wyke. He's fantastic to talk to, really easy to talk to. Um, and, you know, he, you tell him your specific situation and he can help you figure out uh, how to move forward. And I think that's it. Then you can avoid the treatment and recovery trap. For sure. It's, it, even if you've been abstinent for a long period of time, but you still feel trapped in the whole recovery and you're afraid to leave. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's the book point. is great to help you deprogram. It's like the original deprogramming guide. It's probably the only one out there that's so comprehensive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it'll it'll help you to just be able to let that all go and and really find true freedom. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Take care, everybody.